Hello, listening people. It's me, Spooky Ryan. And me, Bartek the Mummy. Mummy's boy Bartek is here. Yep, I brought... To tell you some facts about his mum. That's why he's Mummy Bartek. Mm Mm-hmm, that's right. Any any interesting facts about your mother? Uh, facts about my mother. Um, Mm. my mother... My mother. Um, she's recommended a film for the podcast, but we haven't picked it yet. That's a fact. She's only ever recommended one film. Yes, but she knows a lot about a lot of the films we do. She hasn't seen them. For example, we once did a film called Rock the Casper. We also did a film one time called The Terminator, and that's the most she's ever commented on our social media (laughs) posts I've ever seen. It was like nonstop. I don't remember. Oh, yes. I know that that's one that she would. Bartek's mum, I remember. Your son doesn't. Divorce him. He's my. You're my son now. <laughs> okay. But I, uh, I know a birthday though. Ah, but do you know what we're here to do today, Bartek? Do you know what we're here to do today? Wait, when you, when you introduced yourself, you said Spooky Ryan, right? That's my name. I feel like that's my Polish name. Not the Ryan part, but I think the Spooky part's a hint. Is there a Polish word for spooky? Uh. I know the word for scary. What is it? Strashne. <laughs> Strashne Ryan. It sounds like a gun. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just loaded my... I'm dual-wielding Strashne. No, it's dual-wielding scary. <laughs> so uh, we're here to be both spitting and Polish. We're presenting a show, Pictures Powwow, during the month of October in the year... 2022 and during our October episodes except for when we first started of course we do well well Big Fat Liar Big Fat Liar was pretty spooky there was that trailer for like the really big foot and also it had Frankie Muniz that's spooky uh, but we talk about movies that fall on the more creepy side, horror side, thriller side, erotic side, perhaps, as well, on the Ooh. occasion. Uh, we go through those. Uh, we recommend a movie, or you do. And, uh, well, this time round, it was you, the listening people out there, recommended a film. Uh, my sister recommended the film we'll be talking about today called The Trip. At least that's what the English version of this is called. Uh, I don't think the original language version is called that because just by sheer virtue uh, of the, the title sub- having a lot more words in it. In the- well, the, the, the Netflix subtitles mentioned what the translation of the title was, and it was some sort of uh, euphemism of say or saying of like you know troubled times mm. that you would use for like a marriage that's going through hard times, oh, like in bad times or something like that. Okay, why did they change it to the trip? Why did they? Because because that sounds awesome. Like in bad times, that sounds awesome as an English. It was title. something along those lines. It was at the beginning of the Netflix subtitles. Uh, well, either way, uh, Barta, could you could you give just a brief? overview of what this film is about just give a a tantalizing taste for those listening out there because after that we're going to get into the spoilers of this movie our history Mm -hmm. and relationship with it our overall thoughts the the story all of that but could you just give a uh, tasting uh, taster sample of uh, what this is sure so i'll give a little bit of a synopsis for you know kind of what we're seeing at the beginning uh, we're introduced to a man named Lars. He's a director of a soap opera, it looks like, and we learn that he's also you know, in the entertainment industry as a director. I think mm-hmm. also did some acting. Um, and he's married to a woman who is an actress that is, you know, uh, she's been doing it a long time, but she's going through auditions now, kind of struggling to find roles. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we're introduced to these two. They're married. Um, they've got a bit of a dynamic going on where, you know, a bit shaky, you know, they're yes. in love, but... A very fraught know, relationship. Everybody fraught knows relationship. about it. Yeah, and but despite this, they're going on a trip to his father's old, uh, you know, summer home or, mm-hmm. or... Old cabin in the woods. Cabin in the woods near the fjords or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, just for, uh, you know, a couple of days just to relax. But he's secretly bringing all these tools, like a hammer... A saw, some duct tape, I think there was a rope, something blue. A bag. A bag, yeah. And it seems like 
is this man planning to kill his wife? Because when he visits his dad, he's like, oh, she's going to go on a walk. It's really dangerous up there. Mm. It's like, are you foreshadowing something on purpose? And they've got a very vile dynamic. And that is, well, where things are, uh, are promised to go and we'll have to see how it all unfolds. So people... Go check out this film. It's on Netflix, at least here in Australia. I don't know about where else in the world. Well, this is a Netflix-made well, like, film know. or something like that. I don't know how they work, because sometimes they say Netflix originals when we get things, but they're just... They're internationally made, and they were just distributed. Well, when I watched the on f- Netflix, I didn't notice the Netflix original thing. But when I was reading up about it afterwards, mm-hmm. I was reading that like, oh, this is was apparently a Netflix made film. Okay, well there you go. So it's on Netflix. Give it a watch. And apparently, in the last scene, there was like a Netflix like oh self jab kind of thing going mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. So. History of Relationship, I didn't really know too much about this. My sister watched it one time and said, hey, you, you should check this out. It's pretty good. It's pretty funny. It's got some interesting uh, uh, things happening. Pitched it to me at that horror-y lens of uh, a couple go out into the cabin in the woods and uh, violence ensues. And I was like, oh, okay. So, okay, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. I'll, I'll add it to my watch list. And then, oh, the months have gone on. The months have gone on. And now we're... Getting to that time in the year where I go, look, I I should pitch it for the podcast. And it seems like it's a horror film. The thumbnail on IMDb kind of gave me that feeling. It was definitely dark, It's in the horror section on IMDb. It's uh, on IMDb and on Netflix, I should say. Uh, So I was in the mood and I was like, okay. But I had a feeling it would be a little bit more whimsic, maybe a little bit funny, uh, it's a Norwegian film. I've never seen a Norwegian film that I'm aware of. I'm not yeah. going to rule it out. But uh, there, there was a few surprises along the way when I first turned it on. Let's just say there was a, a familiar face oh, that I wasn't. Uh, okay. And familiar for you, Ethan. So Ooh. we'll have to talk about that. Bartek, history, relationship, and uh, what did you think going in? Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. It was another one of these where you recommended it last episode, hadn't heard of it. You mentioned that you'd been thinking about it for a while, and we found out it was only from last year. So like, ooh, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a fresh film. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as the week went on, it was another one of these cases where I'd forgotten the title, and then I went to previous episodes' description, looked it up. I'm like, oh, yes, The Trip. There was something like that, and I remembered... Another thing I know called The Trips. I'm like, oh, that's how I'll remember it. Um, And I think maybe when I Googled it uh, and also when I first selected on Netflix, there was like a brief synopsis there. And it was one of those ones that kind of went into a bit more, like the the next level of like spoilery detail than what I did, where it was like Mm. a couple is trying to kill each other Ah, on like a trip. I didn't know that going in. I just had a feeling like something... Some violence is happening in the cabin. Yeah, yeah. So I I walked in thinking like, okay, there's going to be, you know, this kind of, we're following two despicable people who have some things going on. We'll learn about them. And then we're going to basically have like a back and forth, you know, to compare it to a video game, like worms going on. Oh, it's my turn. Mm-hmm. It's my turn kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, the familiar face was our lead actress, that is, uh, I do believe... Lisa was the character's yes, name. Yes, who is played by, I do believe it's pronounced Numi Rapace, 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 who was the lead actress in Prometheus. Oh, okay. She was lead actress in Prometheus and Alien Covenant. She's probably best well known for the original... Uh, film versions of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo films. Okay. That is that actress. She's very talented, multilingual. Uh, she's done, I don't know how many different films and projects in other languages. I think she did a film recently for A24 called uh, The Lamb or something. And like a big part of that was it's her first time doing a film in this language. So she's one of those working actresses is, is the lamb like an unsettling hurry yes film? kind th- of and it's think like i a, remember the trailer it's like yeah a kid, born with a, a kid born with a lamb head i and, think i saw the trailer for that and so she is one of those actresses that is in hollywood but also still keeping to the roots of working in european cinema like currently she's in 
uh, some episodes of that television series, Jack Ryan, for instance. Okay. I'm just having a quick look over. So she's a bit like a Mads Mikkelsen type. Yeah, she was, she was in uh, Bright with Will Smith. Uh, she was in The Alien Covenant and uh, Prometheus, those movies. And she does just random little smattering uh, of stuff. Like she was in this film called The Drop, which I do believe is a, a Tom Hardy movie. And I think it's like the last one of the last James Gandolfini movies, if I'm remembering right. But she is... One of those actresses that's been around this while, especially in the European scene, and then started to break out here in the West and doing English language things. And uh, yeah, she's just been a working person. So that's why I was like, oh, a familiar face. Okay. Yeah, that's right. She was in the second Sherlock Holmes movie. Yeah, she's, oh, I've seen she's, that. Yeah, she was the, the, the... I should look up her filmography to see what I'm most familiar with her. Because I've seen both those films, Sherlock 2 and... Uh... Yeah. She was Prometheus, but I don't remember. She much. was like the fortune teller lady in the second movie. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, she's mainly known for doing the girl with the dragon tattoo. She's the lead. I know in my those. okay. That's my mum fact. She I remember she liked those films. Yes. So uh, she was a familiar face, and I was so happy. I went, oh, okay. Now I know I'm in safe hands mm. because she's a reliable person. I've never been disappointed by her. She's been in movies that have been disappointing, but she's always been very captivating to watch she's a very striking look and uh so going in i saw that i was like okay i'm at ease here uh overall i liked this movie i had a fun time it had some bizarre and rather interesting twists and turns in the narrative and how it was told it pissed me off at several points as well Mm -hmm. uh other than that i thought this was a rather funny movie that actually was able to get dark rather rather sharply without souring the comedic tones that the movie was going for before and after those rather dark, twisted things. And those dark, twisted things that it does have in there, those more unsettling, those more horrific things, are not belittled by the comedy that this movie has it does a great job from for my taste of having a separation between those two but not too vast of a one where it feels like i've tuned into a different movie now Mm -hmm. Uh, so how did you fare with this yeah a lot of the things you were saying there i also feel overall i had a good time with it i was engaged all the way through um i was hooked from the premise um I might have a bit more issues with the tonal shifts and certain shifts going on in the film because uh, this might be another one where something that was promised to me was kind of delivered, but I wanted a bit more of that premise to be throughout the film. Mm, mm, Yeah, see, I didn't know what I was getting in for, really. So I just kept taking it as it went because it really was mm. relentless with just throwing a new curveball at you, new mm. curveball. Now we're going to flash you yeah, back in and time, for, and now we're going to have this character come in, and now we're going to have this, and, and now for these a while, people are going to fall from the roof. And, yeah, and for a while, I was like, oh yeah, I like how this is going. I like where this is going. Offer, oh, and then this will go here, right? Nope. And then it kind of goes in a slightly different direction. I'm like, ooh, mm. can we jump back a bit and retry, maybe? <laughs> no. Well, we'll we'll hear in a moment what those issues are for you. Uh, The premise is the husband and the wife want to kill each other in this Mm -hmm. cabin. They've they've both come up with their elaborate backstories and alibis and rationales. Their cover stories. Their their cover stories. And they both ridicule each other for them because, of course, they both find out at the same time because, well... She's smarter than he gives her credit for, but then he's smarter So, And it goes on like that. Uh, I found myself rather questioning of the film, and I, I still find myself like this, where they build up that the wife is this unreasonable, manipulative, shrill, typical, negative woman character. And yet... For the first act, I was really finding that lacking in terms of what you can, what you expect in a movie of this nature where you have the wife that's always grilling him because the film is really set up where he's already in the mode to kill her. So every little thing she does, 
he just is dialed up to 11 in response, but it just makes whatever she does seem very inconsequential because really she's not jabbing at him as much as uh, you expect that she would considering all the buildup. And we already know from just him putting the stuff in the back that he's probably going to go out there and kill her. So you're looking at it thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to get, say, to bring it back to our roots on this podcast, Bette Midler in Stepford Wives, where she was this loud, brash, no-nonsense, I'm-just-gonna-speak-smack-about-you type of person. And so when she got Stepford Wived, it was really noticeable. Here, I found that to be a rather... I found myself seesawing on whether I agreed with how much or how little the movie was giving us in terms of that. Uh, you? I uh, I was more on board with it because we should point out, even though this is a film where these two are our main characters that we're following, for a little while, like the first 15 minutes, Lars, the husband, is the main character. He's the mm. one that we are seeing all these events from the perspective of. We know <clears throat> that he is the one that has a problem with his wife. He's got certain things about her yeah, and because this is a film and we're watching him, he's not talking to us, telling us, this is what I don't like about my wife. We're kind of getting it slowly mm. there. So when we see, like, the little things that he's picking out on, mm. you know, it's indicating to, to us that, okay, this is, you know, just a taste of what he's mm. dealing with all the time. Like, he, he has little mentions about, you know, uh, what his wife uh, does to prepare for roles, how mm. she, she like, has an image about her. The blonde um, hair. The blonde hair, and there's, like, little moments where, like, they snap back, and it just mm. indicates to us, that, like, okay, this the, this can get much bigger. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously, because we're still following it, we don't have all the answers. Like, technically, we don't 100% know he's trying to kill her, even though it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of like with burning, like, okay, let's not jump to conclusion. Let's see where this is going. Yeah. It's building up, and there is going to be a reveal. In a more traditional movie, and I don't know why I keep doing this, Bette Midler in Ruthless People, where Danny DeVito wants to kill her or kidnap her, you immediately know why the dynamic. Here it is far more of a slow boil, far more of a quiet rivalry between the two, where, yes, even though they're snapping at each other, it's it's what is uh, the history and the fragmentation and Diego and all of that that mm. you get from this. And I just had a teetering thing because at no point during the first act did I ever feel any little bit of sympathy or drive for Lars when he's doing all of this. I'm like, I get it. This is like what you have to do mm. for the movie's sake. Yeah. But there was never a moment where she went so over the line where I was like, you know what, Lars? I kind of get it. It was every time I'm like, Lars, you're a little turd. Such a little, little turd. And then the movie agreed with me throughout most of its runtime. It was like, actually, Ryan, you're right. He is a little turd. Look at him kiss those shoes. So there was that where I was like, getting a handle on the film, like, how much am I actually supposed to be seeing things through Lars's view and going, okay, yes, I can understand why this character has been driven to the point that they are. No, I just didn't get that as much. Like, the closest I got was maybe the uh, the, the comments about him being a director and f- fucking up his own movie and all that. I'm like, okay, I understand that a little bit. I think the biggest moment of... Uh, uh, tension between the two was when they were playing crossword. Scrabble. Scrabble, sorry. Scrabble. Yeah. And, and she wanted to do Swede- Swedish, wasn't it? Yeah, Swedish word. A Swedish word. And that makes sense because Numi Rapaz is Swedish. Um, so, and just the back and forth about that. and But he was being the big asshole in that scene. So I was mm. like, eh, eh. Um, did you? How did you feel when it came to Lars, especially in that first act, where the film is so slowly presenting itself to you, and perhaps wanting to you to see things from a certain angle? I mean, it it it's kind of like what we we're talking about in very bad things, where this this is a character who's trying to kill someone. They clearly have their own issues going on. They're not clearly supposed to be likable, so. You know, I don't necessarily have to sympathize or empathize with him. Just understand, like, okay, what is this character? Okay, he mm-hmm. doesn't like his wife because of this reasons. Okay, let's see what he does from here. So mm. I didn't find it any sort of burden that, you know, I wasn't really attaching myself to him or her. Also, because I knew the synopsis that said, like, they're both 
gonna be doing something and again i didn't know that it's yeah. not about sympathy in terms of like actually oh i get it like you, when you do watch these movies you have to have some audience point of view where you go okay that comment that she made there now nah, like, yeah, mm. yeah. No, yeah, i had those moments but it was like oh yeah i don't think lars would like that mm-hmm. so let's see what lars does from this <laughs> it, it's, it's also a thing of like because the film hasn't shown its hand yet i'm mm. trusting it what yeah. did you think of lars though like, what did you think of him? Did you think he was, like... Because for me, in the first act especially, I was like, you're just such a pathetic turd. Like, I, I was not rooting for him. I was like, you're such a fucking piece of shit. So, hold on. When we say the first act, that's up to what point, do you reckon? Like, but when, when the guy comes in, like, the, the guy that they first kill... I think oh, that's the, the, yeah. when you kind of... His accomplice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when he's got when her it's just them up. two. Yeah. When it's just them two. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, what do I think of him? I mean, I, I, because he was this kind of pathetic character, turd, as you keep saying, um, you know, I thought that was good for the film because like, again, Mm. not a sympathetic character. This is a character who is turning to killing, but as you say with pathetic, like he has to take a drink and be like, come on, you can do this. You can do this. He's like nervously holding the hammer just moments. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, this is a, you know, dark comedy. Mm -hmm. Obviously it does have a lot of serious moments, but it is a dark comedy. So there is, you know, a, a comedic factor to the patheticness of this character. There is. And the actor does it very well. He looks pathetic. He just, his stupid (laughs) face, he has a stupid face. I kept thinking he looked a lot like Bill Burr, but Bill Burr has a lot more confidence about him. Yes. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I can see how you think he looks like Bill Burr. He reminds me of this one, I can't remember the name of the YouTube channel, but there's this one YouTube guy, I think he's a Scottish guy, he's got long red hair, but sometimes he's done some sketches with like a bald cap on, and he he kind of reminded me of, of that guy, he did a... Uh, like a, a Star Trek, like Star Trek TNG video, and he did that one that was like, "What if uh, Columbo was, but was anime though?" Um, where they did like the anime version of Columbo with right. all the <laughs> illustrations and like even with the shoes off when they're walking into places, and it was very well done. But I can't remember that YouTuber, but. Yeah, I didn't know that premise, so when it turned around to her tasing him, it wasn't necessarily a true shock, but it was one of those where go, oh, this is going to be the movie, because one of the things that didn't surprise me, weirdly, was the criminals falling from the roof. Uh, that did, but in terms of why I didn't, I was expecting that there was going to be the thing where he's going to try and kill her and he's going to get interrupted by outsiders, which is something that does obviously happen with the other guy comes in and helps him out and the dad later, there's a lot of, oh, we're going to do the thing, but outsiders come in. I think the term is comedy of errors. Comedy of errors. That's what I thought it was going to be. So I thought maybe the joke was going to be she's so selfish and vain and clueless that she wouldn't even recognize that he was trying to kill her throughout the movie and that they were going to be uh, uh, invaded, house and home invaded by some outside force and that they would have to be working together. But the dramatic irony would be that she doesn't realize that he also wants to kill her. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought the movie was going to be for that first stretch of minutes and then when it presented that we had her flashback where she was talking to her friend and it set up the in, yeah, in a- that. i was like i was on the edge of my seat going oh okay i'm on board i'm on board yeah, also more- now i like your character a lot because i didn't have any bad feelings towards her character but i was just like oh yeah she's okay it's being brought anything she had in that first section was being brought to life by the actress rather than the writing but then that happened i'm like okay yeah she she now, might have felt a bit more like a, a jerry or a road run it's like oh that's the target but it's mm, just so elusive as soon as she put a hat on and had a ponytail that's when she became a great character <laughs> i guess uh, in a more blind viewing i probably would have expected something a bit more like another couple would come by and like oh i'm gonna spend some time here too and that just makes his life a bit harder or the old man or the old man later learn is there all along yeah Mm -hmm, that would have been that would have been it but yeah i i was genuinely taken aback by that so that was a a nice little Mm. thing and seeing them just argue it out whilst also threatening to kill each other was the very it was very funny the moments the moments between the tasing and you know the criminals falling through the mm-hmm. ceiling 
were really gave the film a boost, I mm. reckon, because th- this is where we start seeing, you know, like her side of the story. Mm. Uh, we get like, you know, they're tied up. They're essentially in the interrogation seat. Like now I can say mm-hmm. anything. And this is where yeah. we start to see like, okay, she's a main character too. These are the things that piss her off about mm-hmm. him. And then we even get a twist on that later on where it switches somehow. And then we start getting his like, you know, unrestrained thoughts that we were mm-hmm. already being clued into. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, okay, this is, this is where the film's starting. And it's going to be, as, as you said, you know, violence ensues. Yeah. Like a sort of like cat and mouse game where they keep changing who the cat and mouse is. Almost hey, like a game of tag. I, I, re- I really liked when that other guy came in. The, Vince or Victor yeah, or something? And, yeah, and uh, Victor, I think. Uh, and he came in. That was a nice little moment. And I, and I was thinking, oh, my God, our main character, Lars, has really thought even further ahead with the... I, I initially thought, oh, he thought maybe if she finds out, then this could be a thing that happens. But no, we we find out otherwise. But mm. it was a nice moment, though. Like, when he came in behind with a shovel, it made me perch up and go, oh, my God, mm. okay. Yeah, and this... even though the film didn't deliver on that, oh, my God, that I was thinking in my brain... It didn't portray anything. Like, it wasn't... The reveal of everything wasn't a betrayal. It wasn't something so out of left field that I would roll my eyes in the fact that that was an answer instead of what I thought the answer was. Mm. So it's a fine balancing act with that. Because sometimes... And we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. You get so into a movie or your understanding of a movie and then it's starting to reveal something and you go, oh, I think it's going to be this. And then it gives you something that's like way less interesting than what you thought it was going to be. And you're like, well, they didn't justify the other version as good as mine. So I like mine better. So eh, this didn't do that. This justified its own version of what I thought was going to happen with the guy coming in behind mm-hmm. the shovel where I initially thought, oh, Lars planned ahead thinking that maybe if she caught me in the act this guy could help me but yeah. no that guy was just there to help him with the disposal process because yeah. he's too much of a fucking chicken to touch raw meat and shit yeah yeah the, the, the whole like thing of like oh i thought this was what i was gonna do i had that with something else in the film but with that character yeah it was all good because again from that moment between the tasing and the the prisoners falling through the ceiling that's when we get the interrogation, and we have this this really interesting thing where obviously the person who's tied up is the person you know in the tense situation. Mm. Um, but we have moments where you know they retort to each other about like, ah, oh, so, and this was what well, my plan was going to be. Well, that's stupid because this, <laughs> and we great. have we have that with both of them where you know his plan was just. Oh, she got lost in the woods and I didn't find her. And then she pisses herself laughing. I'm like, yeah, that's stupid. That would never work. And then she says her plan. And he's like, you can't act. fool. You can't act. You can't fool anyone like that. Uh, and then by the end, proved otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was great because he then launched into, oh, by the way, everything that I've been nice to to you about i've actually been secretly an asshole about and it's been funny to me (laughs) that you believe me see i'm a better actor than you are you're you're bad and even beyond all like obviously there's a middle portion of the film where things play out very differently but one thing that i did like in the ending was that in a very twisted way this film ended up being like a sort of marriage counseling or like Mm -hmm. getting back together again kind Mm -hmm. of story which you know that's very dark comedy kind of sensibility Mm. which yeah, but at the end of it, looking back, I really appreciated. And then we get to the what was spoiled for me, the prisoners falling from the roof, because the thumbnail on IMDb for this film is a picture of the villain. Okay. And I was like, wait, and, and I thought that was going to be our main character. I was like, oh, okay, the trip's going to be about this, this he's the goofy husband guy, with the big fat guy with the mustache and the scraggly hair so i was waiting for him i'm like well where's this guy gonna come in and then he falls from the rooftop i'm like oh okay so that's a part of again these these weird little things yeah, when it comes to marketing and again i don't know the filmmakers get to choose that that's just netflix they go they update their thumbnails like 50 a week it well, feels like well if it's netflix you know they were the ones who you know when that cuties film came out they mm. made the marketing that you know sparked the controversy Oh, and uh, what was it recently? The uh, Dharma miniseries about Jeffrey Dharma. 
the serial killer, mm-hmm. they put it in the LGBTQI section of Netflix. You know, <laughs> okay. because he's a gay serial killer who killed gay men. <laughs> it's like, uh, maybe don't put it in there. <laughs> Whatever. And they took it out because we've come, people were up in arms about it. But uh, they fell from the roof and the film looked at me in the eyes and said, hey, Ryan, hey, hey, we're being smart now, huh? We're going to do a little flashback into this time period and show how these guys got into the house type of deal. And I have mixed opinions. Mm-hmm. Here's why I'm mixed. I like, personally, I like these characters. I found them very intimidating. I found their acting very good. I liked each criminal, what type they were. The big dumb muscle guy, the more menacing, physically imposing guy, and the mastermind, the leader who seemingly is the most reasonable, but you know he's the most fucked up. Mm-hmm. I liked them. They were great additions, but I... And again, maybe a rewatch would alleviate this, but I do not think there was any hints or clues that they were in the house before they fell from the roof. I wonder if I went back... Would there be any more, like, little things of, like, oh, this window was left open, or they heard footsteps here, but you disregarded it, or There, stuff there were like a couple. That. I just didn't really factor them in as, as strongly. The and, ones that really stuck out were there were cornflakes on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, one of them notices, like, what's this about? And then they kind mm-hmm. of moved on. There was the line about the sweater being missing. Oh, yeah. There was the, the you know, the, the keypad wasn't working when they tried to enter. Mm-hmm. There were just all these little things. Those are the three main ones that were just okay. a little bit well, Again, a rewatch will let me know because, again, I really didn't know what I was walking into here, so mm. I that that flew by they me, were, and I'm admitting that it flew yeah, by they me. Were, they, they were little things that, you know, I noted them when they happened, but I'd forgotten about them, and then when they were explained, I was like, oh, oh, they foreshadowed this. Okay, so, so I'll pull back on that comment then, but mm. overall, this is where the movie takes a drastic turn. Yeah. Uh, well, I should say, it takes a drastic turn before when Lars kills a person. That's true too. Yes, <laughs> they, he and he decides to kill a person. That's that's the most important thing. Yeah, so he, he makes that decision. We it's were not to, as yeah. if in the movie tries to. I mean, he tries to argue in the movie that no, you told me to. Do, no, you see him. You see that actor. You you see the character's face change and lock in and go. This is what I've got to do. Yeah. So he had an accomplice character with him because you know he's squeamish. He doesn't like raw meat. So he was going to get him to do the dirty work and give him what he claimed was half the life insurance money. Um, and the wife, you know, using her brain was you know trying to turn that character against Lars. So it was like a back and forth with this. Also, Lars was lying to him about the amount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- he was this third element who was hired to be on one side. But then he was, you know, being bribed and convinced that he wasn't being respected. And, you know, he's the one holding the gun at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very tense scene where, yeah, there's this third element that they're trying to placate so that they can get, you know, the, wh- whoever's plan going. Mm. Um, and it just leads to, you know, violence and eventually Lars ends up killing him. Yeah. And it was a very, uh, it, was a, it was a shift. Because from that point on, the Lars character has permission now from the film and us, the audience, to kill people. Yeah. That's important. That's important for later. Yeah, his cover up, he doesn't have a cover up anymore. There's clearly a sign of struggle. The moral compass is broken now for that character. So he has permission from us, the audience, to kill people because he has done that and we saw him lead up to that. So. That is something to note down because that will be important for later because he kills a lot of people. Mm. And Uh, the second death doesn't happen until much, much later. Much later, but it does happen. Yeah, but that's what I mean. For um, for a long time, he's the only one with, well, an on-screen kill. So is this middle section with these criminals where your issues come into play? I get a feeling like they've got... It's pretty much right after their flashback ends because one thing that the film was doing that I was really enjoying was that whenever, like, a little twist would happen, we would get, like, mm. some time earlier and we get, like, full context. So we learned that, you know, uh, Lars planned out with his buddy, like, okay, this is what you're going to do, and that mm. explains, like, oh, so that's why he turned up with a shovel. Mm. Uh, and then we learn uh, that the wife had pr- set up an alibi. And with, a cover story. And a cover story. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going hunting. So when there's an accident. And you know, I hate guns. Yeah. And so when there's an accident, you know, that woman would come up and say, like, oh, yes, I did hear about the hunting trip. That checks out. 
And we have one for the criminals. So the first time we see the criminals tense situation, they're wrestling, uh, sorry, the husband and wife wrestling on the ground with a gun, fire into the ceiling, scream, three guys fall down on top of them. And it's like, who are these characters we've never seen before? Flashback to, you know, like a day earlier, mm-hmm. we learned their story and their dynamic. Mm-hmm. And during this flashback sequence, it's then only interacting with the three of them. Mm-hmm. And they've got very clear dynamics. You know, we've got the guy who's clearly the leader, mm-hmm. the the Peter, I think his name yeah. was, Peter with two Ts. Um, we got Roy, the dumb neo-Nazi guy. Mm-hmm. And then we have Dave, who we don't really get too much about Dave in the flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, so he kind he's of seems- He's a sexual predator. Yeah. He's, that's what we get, because he's looking at them through the roof and he's like, I want to fuck. Yeah. So you know that's- an element about that character. Like, yeah. yeah, he seems balanced for the most part, but he does have that, you know, horniness to him at that one mm. point. Um, and we get basically a lot of comedy with them. So, obviously, Roy, the dumb one, he's the one who's eating the berries and it mm. leads to him needing to take a shit. It's like, oh, it's so stinky, Roy, why'd you do that? Mm. Um, and just constant, like, kind of hijinks. And for the film up to this point, you know, it, it's been a dark comedy um, where... Everyone has kind of gotten in on it a little bit. Like, we already had a dumb guy character with uh, Lars's accomplice, mm. um, and we had comedy with him where, mm. you know, we had the back and forth scene, uh, the fact that he was going to do all the dirty work and, you know, the wife teasing him about, like, you got this dumb guy to help you? Are you an idiot? You're a big idiot. Mm. Um, and so I thought, because this has been, you know, such a comedy of errors film, going forward, uh, there would be a bit more of a dynamic between our two main characters and these three where a lot more Mm. goofy things were happening but then after their flashback ends and they're the ones in control it just kind of turns into a home invasion film and it's played straight and problem and that first scene especially is played very straight okay so i think there's a visual thing that the film did or presented where i said well They've got this here. They can't be funny with these characters, which was when Roy took off his shirt and he was covered in swastikas and Nazi paraphernalia. I knew once we had that, it's like, oh, you can't just make these guys just goofy. You can't just do that. I don't know why my brain says that, but it is the case. It's just you you give that information across... I do not believe that once you do that, like in this, especially for some reason in this film, I was like, okay, because there are serious moments played straight in the movie before these guys show up. Like some of the arguments between the husband and wife are played as dramatic scenes where these two actors are dramatically acting and there's no comedy there. So it's not as if it's been a complete comedy the entire run. There have been little moments. Yes. But once they showed me his Nazi tattoos and stuff of that nature, they didn't immediately kick into being serious with that, but it was a visual thing where I went, okay, they're going to have to play these guys a bit more straight-laced because just something about that is just too villainous to have him as a goofy comedy guy, Mm. even though you could have had him as your obvious neo-Nazi type. Mm. And also, we had, like, ten minutes of him being the goofy guy. Mm Mm-hmm. But just... But we didn't immediately see his Nazi tattoos. Yeah. It took a little while for that. So I knew that was going to factor in. So once it turned into a more... uh, more Not generic, more more just straightforward uh, thriller home invasion film, I also recoiled a bit because they do a very effective job at it. That's the thing. It's very effective. Mm. Um, I will give credit, though, to those actors. In that sequence, they ride the line very neatly, in my opinion, on reminding us of their more comedic sides whilst showing us their scarier sides, especially the Dave character, where he's the most unsettling threat because he's a rapist that's that's the whole thing and there's even some minor comedy in terms of dramatic irony where you think they're going to want to sexually assault the the woman but no it's actually yeah. Lars and that's played for comedic beats 
Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to now fuck. And it's like, oh, yeah, and maybe now she'll enjoy it. And then Peter goes, Haha, okay, homosexual Dave, go. Mm-hmm. And all, and immediately there's like, oh, shit, it's going for the guy. Uh-huh. And, but then it goes straight back into the serious. And it's very unsettling. It's a rather dark chapter in the movie. And I can see why it's a turnoff. Because you're having a fun time. Even though it's like violence and people are dying and they're threatening to kill each other. And then it introduces this, and it plays it rather straight. For especially that sequence. I would say after that, they get back into lightening those characters up a bit. It's when everyone's down in that basement, and there's, like, the negotiations, Mm. and they're like, well, still doing, then they kiss my shoe. Uh, Although, I did get some amusement, I should say, from from Lisa's reaction to all of this, that look on her face when it's like, oh, they want to fuck him? Awesome. Like, she goes to being horrified, but there's these subtle shots of her face where she's just like, oh, good, not me. Okay, cool. Like, just that little bit of humor of even in this dire strait of a thing, she's still in that I'm very annoyed at my partner and we're still feuding with each other mode. Only slightly. You could say they could play that up more for the comedy of it. Like, Mm. you get that played more seriously as it goes along, such as the very end where she's contemplating letting him go or not because she may still be pissed at him. Uh, but, uh, But that's played straight. There are some moments, I, especially from her, where you see her contemplating just letting the horrible things play out because she's still in the I'm pissed off and in argument mode with my partner. And um, But yeah, I can see why that avenue of the film didn't work for you. Yeah, and again, I, I don't want to you know, fault it for being you know, too dark or anything like that. I think it should be commended that they managed to make something very effective. But, you know, what I walked in expecting, like, I saw this is going to be a two-hour film. This is our synopsis of, like, husband and wife, you know, back and forth at each other. And I didn't see in my head how that would work, but I was waiting to be, you know, kind of be pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, they actually managed to stretch that out over two hours and have it be really entertaining. So it almost kind of felt like a crutch to fall back on home invasion plot. Well, if you want to see this movie played dramatically, watch Antichrist by Lars von Trier. That's a movie you can watch uh, where it's a husband and wife try to hurt each other. Um, it's, it's less funny, but it's 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 more in line. Yeah. It wasn't like Trespass. No, it wasn't like Trespass. But uh, yeah, I can understand why you say it's a crutch because it is a familiar genre. Yeah. It, it went- of criminals have taken over the couple but i guess the twist is the couple are trying to kill each other and hate each other but at this point that kind of goes away because even though you mentioned like you know there were these little moments of the wife still like you know being pissed at her husband like i wasn't seeing as much of that and a lot of it was, even though there were, you know, little moments of, like, the husband didn't cut her ropes, he just mm-hmm. left her. That was an important moment. Yeah, but going forward from that, whenever they were, you know, free to move around and together, they, you know, weren't still trying to kill each other or anything. They were mm-hmm. trying to, either to save themselves, but, like, not really to, you mm-hmm. know, try to kill the other in the middle of the chaos. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a fine line because they're also, as you said, the story is about their mending of their marriage, so you have to have yeah. that. And, and you mentioned before, like, way later in the film, after the villains have all taken been taken out, um, she's holding him, you know, off the boat. It does come back there where that felt like a very horror, thrillery mm-hmm. thing. Like, now that all is said and done, do we go back to where mm-hmm. we started or do we move on? Like, that moment was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I was expecting them to, you know, get back together and that's what did happen. But the tension there, I mm-hmm. felt, you know, was was effective. And earned. Yes. Um, we get just a bunch of home invasion-y things where we see the characters figuring out how to escape, how to fight back. And this is where I have problems with it as well, where for a movie that was being rather flippant about the genre trappings that it could be in, then it started to just do them. As soon as our main guy Lars knocks out the big neo-Nazi with a bowl, with a with a uh, pool balls in his sock, and then leaves the guy there with the knife. 
and doesn't kill him. Again, that's where it's like you've already established that this guy's willing to kill. Yeah, and this This guy was about to help, like, get Lars raped. I do not believe that Lars would not, like, kill him. You could probably even fake self-defense at that point, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. Even from just a viewer standpoint, let alone the in the lore of the like in the in the like world reality of the movie it takes place in. And then when she gets the knife and cuts herself free and then she leaves the knife, I didn't that's where you you're losing me movie because that's where you're going into traditional some horror crap nonsense because what happens? The big neo-Nazi gets back up grabs the knife, and he's now a threat. Somehow that all went over my head, but now that you're pointing it out, it's... Why would she do that? Because it's a movie. Yeah, you're right. It's a movie. We need her to be momentarily stupid. And I know, oh, it's a comedy, but this isn't good enough. It's not like it's making a commentary about that, a comedic statement about that. It's just making her stupid. And again... To go back to my statements about earlier in the movie, she wasn't portrayed as the shrill, uh, silly, uh, uh, dumbass wife character. She was far more restrained than that, far more competent. And then, like you said, we get her side of the story. So, again, her leaving the knife there just to be a dumb character doesn't even line up with, say, if you did this in another movie, she's like the she's like the dumb housewife who doesn't know. No, mm. I don't believe that. Since we had this moment of, like... I a- don't believe a woman who's afraid that this guy's going to rape her would just leave him there with a weapon and not even take the weapon. Yeah, he's already expressed, like, sexual interest in her boobies. Um said titties in mine. Oh, did we not watch both on Netflix? It did. It said titties on mine. I'm pretty sure it said boobies on mine. I don't believe <laughs> I'm team boobies, I guess. Uh, um, but yeah, what I was saying is, you know, when we had that back and forth earlier in the film where Lars was tied up and she wasn't, we did get this sense of like, okay, they both had ideas for, you know, how to cover up their crime, but they had different ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but because hers was presented second, we did get this at least momentary thought of like, okay, maybe she's the smarter one. Even if she did end up doing something dumb in that scene, like leaving the knife, maybe at least balance it out with like one smart move, like Mm -hmm. maybe take something, restrain him in some way, do something Mm -hmm. smart. I know she was under pressure time because they would come down check at some point, but, Mm -hmm. you know, throw something in there to at least make us, you know, see. Not roll the eyes. Yeah, she's doing something. And then we get just a bunch of... Very elaborate, very over-the-top, very gruesome, and funny action set pieces where they keep fighting each other, they keep running away, there's a whole bunch of shenanigans happening there. The violence ensues, as I said. The villains play up a lot of, like, slasher killer tropes where, like, they are just not going down. And same with our heroes, they're not going down. They punch them so many times in the face and she keeps getting up, for instance. I'm like, Mm. come on. Yeah, but, like, Roy takes a while to kill and Petter especially. Oh, well, he's the final boss. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, But, yeah, it, it has a lot going on. Then, if you don't mind, uh... We get. Should we jump back a bit? <laughs> oh well, where do you want to jump back to? Uh, well, uh, depending on what you were about to bring up. Well, well, I should say before I go there, I did my favorite physical comedy moment was when she got her head smashed through the pantry or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then she grabbed like the lemon. I'm surprised she didn't get knocked out. <laughs> and uh, it's fine; they're thin. Uh, and uh, uh, she grabs the lemon thing and squirts him in the eyes. <laughs> that was very silly. I enjoyed that a lot. But no, there's a moment. There's a reveal. Uh, at some point in this movie, I know it's a bit later, but like at some point in the timeline while all this is going on, some old man. Yeah, that's what I meant <laughs> by jumping back been, a bit. That that just happens. Oh, this old man, right. This old man. The old man that calls the dad. Uh, because there's a dad character we haven't really gotten Yeah, that's, gotten that's what I meant by jumping back. Uh, Lars has a dad that's in an old folks' home and he doesn't want to go out this way. He would rather go out like a yeah. champion. A lot of our exposition at the start of the film was Lars visiting his dad. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, set up some payoffs. This movie has a buttload of them. Uh, we get this old man who's riding this fucking little... <laughs> Rinky dink little plastic it's, car. I'd want to. I want to call it a smart car, but it's like half the size, maybe even quarter. Of the it size. looks like uh, like a sci-fi car from the fifties. Yeah, you know, that where they imagine. sci-fi caddy. 
But uh, he's running around and he sees something happening. So he goes back and he has his phone with the big, big <laughs> number pads on it. <laughs> and you get like this ridiculous scene. Now, now I should preface this. We get this information way later in the movie at the height of all the action where the bad guys are here, our heroes are going to be murdered. We have, There's a surprise reveal that we this basically now entered the yeah. scenario. We had basically, once the home invasion started, we pretty much put aside all flashbacks like mm-hmm. uh, this many hours before. And we, we had also just taken it on the chin that no more characters would enter the film. Yeah. Because we've got them now. Wrong. Wrong, 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 because during all the height of the action, a car drives in, runs over the lead villain, who stumbles out, but Lars's dad! Lars's dad, who's like, I love war, war made me who I am. And then we get a flashback to why he's here, this other old man saw this, we get this fucking really drawn out, quiet, (laughs) inane, boring old people conversation at the height of the action, robbing all of the tension and momentum, and I was looking at it going... Bartek's loving it. It was a full conversation of like, <laughs> I was driving by the cabin because I needed to go get medicine from the pharmacy. You know, the pharmacy mm-hmm. was very far away, but then I came back and realized, oh. This would have been David had- Lynch's favorite scene. <laughs> I, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> I had the medicine in my cupboard all along, you see. That's why I'm calling the guys and dad's like, Dude, why the fuck are you calling me in the middle of the night? Tell tell me this. And then they get on with it. Mm-hmm. And then the dad is like, ah, fine, I'll go out there. But the old folks home won't let him out. So then he proceeds to do what everyone else has done in the movie, which is just grab a thing and punch a person in the face with it. Yep. And then he proceeds to steal the guy's car and call it like a homosexual car. Because it's an electric car, like smart car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then <laughs> yeah. he has to go get it filled up with petrol because it's running out. And he starts making fun about how it's... That, and then it's like, where do I where do I put the nozzle in? And it's like, oh, it's an electric car. You have to go to an electric charging. Uh, so there's a whole saga of him getting there. Now we're chewing up time in the like the height of the movie's uh, dramatic points and resolutions, and then and then we get to where we are, where the dad comes in, and he. He gets fucked up, but he fucks up a lot of shit. That's the funny thing. The dad is like the dad is also like a horror movie villain. He just won't go down. He just keeps getting back up. <laughs> I liked when he bit off. The villain's nose, and like the villain's like, "Oh, my nose, my nose!" And the dad's like, "What nose?" <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a great moment. The dad was yeah, very entertaining, and didn't seem to cl- uh, you know fit in too much with the film that we were watching. But it was he funny. came in like a, a an action movie hero. That was the funniest part. Like the camera swooped in, the music swells. There's just this general presence of, like, now Stallone is here. <laughs> but it's, like, this old Norwegian man with crutches. It's who, very amusing. Who wanted to die in the war and hates young people because they didn't fight in a war. And so <laughs> we get a whole bunch of action people die. Roy's already had his head exploded with a shotgun. Uh, Dave gets shot in the knee by the dad. I loved that. Where the dad just like uh, uh, he's looking at this Dave guy, and the Dave guy's like, "You, I'll cut her, I'll cut her if you if you come close." And the the dad, old man, dad's just like, "I don't have time for this." Just does this badass thing with the gun, just shoots. Yeah, he him like in the kicks knee. it up off the floor and says, "Like that's big words for a guy that is not the one with a gun." Yeah, <laughs> and then just shoots the guy in the knee, and it's awesome. <laughs> Oh, so fucking good. I was re- I was so happy. And of course, the dad gets disposed of in a, a brief moment where he gets stabbed through and lifted up in the air. But then he's not down. He's got more in him. Yeah, he survived the lawnmower thing. Now, because Now, were you happy with this where this section? Because it seems like the, the middle parts where it's like, we'll play it a bit more straight. And then the final section is like, now let's get back. Once the, yeah, goofy. once the sun comes out, because mm. like most of that film is at night, and then once they go outside, it's suddenly daytime. Like once they're outside, it's pretty entertaining from that point on. Like mm. we're not doing, we don't, we're not back at like the you know clever premise, but we're also not at like the home invasion sneakiness things. It's just crazy kind of violence going on, and that was at least entertaining. Did you love when she hit the lead villain with the bucket of fishing equipment stuff and he had a bunch of the lures and fishing hooks stuck all over his face? <laughs> I enjoyed that. Yeah, he didn't take the time to take them out. And then later on... That, that bit him. Mm. That bit him in the ass. He should have done that. He was too yeah. cocky. He fell for it hook, line, and sinker. People have value. And uh, 
he guess I guess those hooks added something to the world for him. <laughs> it made him scarier. Yeah, it made him funnier. Uh, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, Dave gets killed at some point because he's tending to his knee and he keeps getting more horrific yeah, after, injuries trying to after, tend to his knee. After he gets shot in the knee, he's basically like, yeah, c- comedic running joke of like, oh, he's limping, he's trying to heal himself, he keeps making mistakes and hurting himself. All salt into the open wounds. Yep. And then as soon as he's like, okay, I've healed and now I can rest, Lars is there with a gun, hits it. And it bends inwards. Yep. And then he shoots him in his big dick because his, that was also yeah. established that he's yeah, like he, a horse dick. Horse dick Dave. That, he had a lot of names, Dave. Homosexual uh, Dave and horse dick Dave. And then in the spoiler alert, they do a thing where it's like, and then they made a movie about this. And in that movie, he has a, a different name as well. I think it was like <laughs> Gay Dave or something, Queer yeah, Dave. The Hollywood film. Uh, Fag Dave, I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, we get into the classic. Oh, the boat's been set up, so we've got to use the boat. And the bag of rocks has been set up, so we've got to use the bag of rocks. And that was all good. Like, it was solid sphere of, like, you're, you're, you're delivering on the things you set up. It was thrilling. It was over the top. You had Lars grab the rope of the boat and just jet ski his way through and have to climb up. And you had a lot of the... And perhaps too much of the they're down, actually they're not uh, moments. Mm. Yeah, they recovered from a lot of injuries very quick. Once his arm was ripped off and he was still like fighting him off with one for a little while. It was... That was amusing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so overall we're going into the, the, the defeating the villain stuff. So do you want to talk about that? Your overall opinions on taking down Peter? 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 Yes. Sorry, what what question are you asking me? You want to go over the general stuff that happens here and your overall opinions on it? Because this is the... We're now taking care of the big villain of the movie. He's no longer funny. Like, he has funny things happen to him, but he's played like, I'm a proper villain. There's no little comedic asides from that character anymore. He's no longer kind of goofy. He's a serious threat. So they have to take him out. What did you think about all of this? I mean, yeah, I thought it was yeah done well. He, we like I said before, he's kind of got the the slasher movie villain thing going on, where you know he's kind of invincible, and you need to like really do something big to take him down because tearing off his arm, the fish hooks to the face, uh, getting hit by a car, all of that's not enough. So you got to get to something extreme, and like you said, this is a movie of payoffs. So some of the setups that even I was forgetting about, like the rocks, were finally being used, mm-hmm. and it was good. Where they put him over the bag over his neck and throw him over the boat, and he only mm-hmm. has one arm, and he can't get the bag off. Yeah, so I was thinking to myself, like, oh, well, you know, he probably has some ability to swim, but oh, he's only got one arm, so mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult yeah, for him. even if he used that one arm to try and take the bags off, he would still sink so mm. very funny yeah and of course then we also got the scene we were talking about earlier where uh the he's t- lars was tied up to it and he mm. was sinking so the wife had the decision of like oh am i gonna save you or am i not and like i said mm. already that was yeah effective so you had a really great conversation as well that came after that where it's just them sitting there and lars going through like do we get back together like it was still in this, like them two just going over their marriage and how it's still a mess. What mm. does this really do to change anything? Like police will be here. In an we've hour. got debts. We've got you know your acting career is struggling. Like nothing has changed. And then they and then they and then they looked at us specifically. You and I, Bartek. This movie looked at us in the eyes and said, "Soviet dinosaur." <laughs> Where when we did our Soviet Western play. Our, our play's ending was they just pitched, let's do a movie. And then they show a little clip of the movie that they do. That's what we did. Yeah, well, we saw, we saw because obviously the movie that they were going to make was going to be based on an in-universe true story. Mm-hmm. So we see all like the, the newspaper headlines, the talk show appearances, mm-hmm. um, the interviews right after the, the mm-hmm. incident happened at night where like it's raining and they're covered in towels. We can see her with her normal hair. Yeah. They're, they're like miming like, Oh, this happened. And like, they became, you know, super celebrities who like, they survived mm-hmm. the thing. And then we get a tease of like, Oh, and it's going to be adapted into a Hollywood film with Hollywood actors. 
and then we actually get to see like you know some Americans playing the characters and her playing herself, but yeah. she's playing, she's t- speaking English, and that's what I love because now she's playing roles that Numeru Plus <laughs> plays, yeah. and we see yeah basically a comedic version of that super serious scene partway mm-hmm. into the film, and then and then cut. That's exactly how it happened, everyone. <laughs> like, Lars yeah. is directing. And, and the guy playing Lars is... A big buff black guy. A big buff black guy, which I, I, I think it was in the IMDb trivia said that, like, oh, that was Netflix poking fun of itself for its, you know, racially blind casting or something. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was an amusing little detail. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, a, a weird thing to point to, and I and I am now rewinding. I'm so sorry. Blep. What? Okay, we had a Nazi, a neo-Nazi in the film, mm-hmm. and he kept making statements about Lisa, but he never made statements. Like he kept saying, "Like I know what you are," and he's like, "Are you, are you gonna say it? Are you gonna say it? like I don't like?" Was he insinuating that she's a Jew? Because well, he showed the tattoos, and he's like, "I don't, my kind don't like you." I was like, "How do you know anything about this woman?" Yeah, I was confused by a lot of that too. I thought it was and like it, he doesn't like entertainment industry people, Swedish people, because she is Swedish. They they accept yeah. that up. I'm like, oh, but because he's a well, I immediately was like, oh, she's a Jew, right? Because he's a Nazi, neo-Nazi. It was like my tattoos say I don't like people like you, and yeah, the whole back and forth. And there's even this moment where he's just like, "You," and she's like, "You what? You." And then he proceeded never to say anything else. And I'm like, yeah. I was waiting for him to say, you fucking, you know, Jew or some slur or something. See, I, and I was waiting. And then I was like, oh, well, is Numi Rapaz Jewish? And I, I couldn't find anything. See, I, there was never... the Romani people. So maybe it's like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't recall any point in the film establishing that she's Jewish. So whenever he, like, had, you know, these mixed feelings about her... I was also weighing it up in my head of like, oh, but he, he's he's interested in her breasts. He's like got some sexual attraction yeah, to her. She's a hot woman. Yeah. So. so whenever he did have a statement of like, oh, you, I inherently don't like you. I, I was legitimately thinking like actresses and like people that are well off. And if it is, if it is what I'm thinking, why are they well, withholding he, that? Well, he eventually, like when she was doing the the best acting I've ever seen mm. in my life, one of his last lines is there's like, but you're a Jew. And then that was the reveal to me. It wasn't meant to be a reveal, I guess, because it was established he's a neo-Nazi. But when did he say that? You remember? I don't remember? You remember when she was when Lars was going down the stairs, sneaking up, and she was like acting. It was like mm. you know, I was thinking, and like he's clearly like, is this really happening? Is this? Con-? And then yeah, one of yeah. his last lines before he notices Lars is like, "But you're a Jew." Man, I'm, I swear to you, he says I this. I swear I missed this. This is the only reason. Did I watch the titties cut and you watch the boobies cut? <laughs> I swear to you, like, this is the only reason I'm why. I sit down and watch this scene again because yeah. I do. I swear I missed it. And again, that line is literally say... the only reason why I know he's I, got a problem with her for being I, a Jew. I, I will say this too the film, I don't know about you, if you have an opinion on this, the Netflix subtitles, pretty wonky in places. Just sometimes the way, because this film has text in it. Yeah. Just the way that they would have to have subtitles, and it's like it's over the te- it's, it's very clunky. Like for instance, I don't know if this happened on your the boobies cut, <laughs> but it it was like here's the title of the movie, and it just showed the title like that they have in the movie. It didn't give me like a translation title in the subtitles. I was okay, because like, oh. it did for me. It did not. For I me. think I did not adjust anything. I just played it me as is. Yeah, I uh, think there was one time where it didn't translate something like near the end. There was like three lines with these three words, mm. and I did. I never found out what it said. I think it meant like you know a few days later or mm-hmm. something like that. But uh, okay, uh, Netflix, whatever you're doing, I don't know what you're doing here. But yeah, that was just weird that they're withholding it, even if it was what you said. And I'll take your word, yeah. and we'll see afterwards. Why? Why is this a reveal? How does he know this? That's my, that was my thing. That's the only reason why I know he's got a problem like, with being a Jew is because I saw that line. How does he, like, if maybe he saw when they're up in the roof something about her that was Jewish, like, maybe she has, like, a, I don't, I'm trying to think of things, but, oh, well, she she's apparently Jewish to this, I guess he has a nose for it, I guess he's a neo-Nazi, so I guess that's how it works, but would you recommend this? Would you recommend the trip? Uh... You know, I got enough entertainment out of it that I say I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. 
Uh, I recommend it too. It's a little bit rough around the edges. It's a little bit of a shaggy dog type movie. Not literally the shaggy dog. That stars Tim Allen. Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. That's right. Right before, right before Iron Man. So, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I recommend it. It's fun. It's goofy. It's a lighthearted time. It's also having some really interesting shifts in tone. It can be a bit daunting at times, but overall, I found it goofy. It was mm. violent. That that middle scene where it got serious is, yeah, kind of trigger warning worthy, I'd but say. But then they comedically subvert it at the very end of the movie when they have the Netflix movie version, Hollywood version, where they redo that scene and then he, like, does this amazing, like, the movie version does this amazing amazing action sequence to get out of it and he's yeah, a big like- buff black guy. So <laughs> over the top. So it almost was worth it all. But, uh, yeah, I recommend it. Bartek, you're recommending a movie for next time on Spooky Month. Yes, uh, I am. For Pictures Power. What are you pitching our way? Yeah, so one of the reasons why I was comparing uh, our villain Petta to a slasher movie villain mm-hmm. is because I'm picking a slasher movie. Okay. Um, so as we know, in the 80s is when they when they became very popular. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm picking one that I don't think many people have heard of. Uh-huh. It's a film from 1980 called, like, Friday the 13th or something like that. You recommend the first one? The original Friday the 13th. Oh, good. I'm sure Alex from the Contrarians podcast will be thrilled to hear what we have to say oh, because he's a big fan. Of oh, course okay. he is. I didn't know. <laughs> You've met him? Of course he is. Of course he is. Okay. <laughs> of course. Of course. Halloween is the preferred franchise for him, but uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, Friday the 13th, the one without Jason. Awesome. Uh, Spoiler spo- So Sorry. Oh, spo- and also one where they in real life killed an animal for it, but awesome. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, have fun. <laughs> have fun watching that sequence. All right. Friday the 13th, uh, starring people. Uh, I cannot wait. I have... I think I've seen this. I, I'm trying to recollect. I know I've seen some. I've seen They the blur first, together. Yeah. So we'll be talking about Friday the 13th, but it will not come out on the 13th. No. And I don't know if Friday this year is on the 13th, but... No. Nope. Not here in Australia. The thirteenth is the day after this episode comes out. Oh well, Sols, everybody, you can find us on your social medias of Facebook and Twitter. Say Sols to us right there, or email us a Sols at spitandpolished at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you. You can recommend movies to us. Let us know what spooky things you're watching this time of year. What are you watching? What are you looking at? What are giving you the thrills, the chills, the spooks, and uh, all of that good stuff. Bartek, pleasure talking to you about a Norwegian film, our first Norwegian film. Yeah, there was no way I was expecting that. Wow. <laughs> he said it, I didn't. Because uh, the country's called Norway. It's called Norway.